a Bible, turn to Proverbs. If you forgot your Bible or if you don't have one, we have blue Bibles in the back right as you come in the cinema on both sides. Feel free to go back and, and, and grab one, and if you need to, you can just keep that as your own. But if you have your Bible with you, and I really want to encourage you to bring your Bibles as we continue on next week through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, turn to uh, 31, Proverbs 31, right in the middle of your Bible, um, verses 8 and 9. <coughs> Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. I'll give you some time to get there because I'm being criticized for just running right ahead. Middle of your Bible, Proverbs, go. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Uh, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Wes Stafford, CEO of Compassion International, works with children. He talks about how this verse right here, very simple, very clear command from God, okay? It defines what it is to be a child. Can't defend yourself, can't stand up for your own rights, you don't have a voice. So the call to speak up for those without a voice, without an advocate, clearly applies to how followers of God should treat children. We must be an advocate for them because they are defenseless without us. Book of James, toward the end of the Bible. <coughs> While you're turning there, um, James should have been translated Jacob. A little bit of trivia for you. The Greek word is Jacob. Um, there was another King James before LeBron who was alive when this was translated into English, and it's thought that the translators just really wanted to, you know, to keep themselves alive, find a way to please the king with their translation. So they called it James instead of Jacob, Jacob. Anyway, um, down in verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans. So... When, when James is trying to talk about what really pleases the heart of God, he, he, you know, church attendance, tithing, Bible knowledge, those are all good things. He starts the list off caring for children in need. Caring for children in need. Now let's turn to uh, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, so we see clear call in Scripture. Defend those who have no ability to defend themselves. Then in James, clearly, one of the things God values most is a heart that cares for children, especially children who are in need. Matthew 18. Matthew. It's got two T's, you know. At that time, starting at verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, 
who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Here it is. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a huge cinder block thrown around his neck, drown in the depths of the sea. Speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Children certainly fit that category. Pure faith. God looks to the heart and those who care for children in need. Jesus cares so much about children that he simply says, you welcome them, you welcome me, you mess with them, you mess with me. Can't get any clearer in Scripture. Nothing profound, nothing deep. God says you're a follower of Jesus. You live life like he lives. You follow what he taught. You care for the children around you. Just clear call for us to invest, to care about the little children around us. Nothing hard about that. Difficult nonetheless. It's not complicated. It's just difficult sometimes. Now, one of my pastors growing up named Greg Nettle, a senior pastor at a great big church down in Canton, Ohio, named called uh, River Tree. In a recent sermon, he talked about the extremes that children face today, both good and bad. It's like on one end, the extreme of the good that they get to be a part of is unlike you know never before. Uh, when, when I was growing up, I uh, started off really, really young with, with Atari. Remember with the little joystick and the one button? And like baseball, you push the button to pitch the ball, and then you just had to time up the hit like when, you know. And, and then when I was in elementary school, uh, fifth grade, I had a paper route, and Nintendo came out. And because I had a paper route, I could get that Nintendo, and there was this game called Duck Hunt, where basically if you got the gun aimed on the side of the room that the TV was on, <laughs> arbitrarily the duck would either fall or the little dog would laugh at you for missing the duck. Um, and we all put it right up next to the screen, and that really didn't make a difference either. Now there's the Wii, which is just this incredible you know, accuracy and the, 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 the kind of games and the, the toys that they have. My, my little two-year-old Elijah, you know, if he pushes on a hand or a belly of a stuffed animal and it doesn't do anything, he assumes it's broken. Because, you know, toys just do stuff. And that's, that's the good stuff. But think about the battles that are now waged against our children that were not there even when we were growing up. Right now, there are men and women with a Ph.D. who are sitting in a boardroom somewhere brainstorming how they can create campaigns to make my five-year-old unhappy with what he has. And you know that commercials and you know that the setup of stores are all done with calculated motives as to how to get our children to want things 
that they don't have, and even more so, you see it in the ads, how to make them unhappy with the life that they have. So there are men and women with PhDs who are far from God right now, brainstorming how to tell my child subliminally that happiness lies at Target in the children and in the toy aisle, as opposed to in a friendship with the God to whom he belongs. And this is going on all the time. And our children are victims in this battle. When you think about the violence that children are now exposed to, statistics would say that my five-year-old Spencer and my two-year-old Elijah will have seen 8,000 murders by the time they graduate elementary school or by the time they're done with elementary school through TV, through video games, things like that, cartoons. 8,000 acts of violence. So there's this numbing going on right now. Right now, my son Spencer is, is enjoying uh, PlayhouseDisney.com and PBSSprout.com and playing games and things like that, you know, Clifford and Martha Speaks and, and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. But he is a few clicks away from a very dark side to the Internet. And there are people right now creating environments that can wreck his heart and his mind. And as he sits there and plays just a few clicks away, just a few keystrokes away from these places that, that could destroy his, his, his little heart, and he's going to have that battle to fight throughout the rest of his childhood and beyond. And then the worst and most dangerous battle we see in Scripture that Satan prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Scripture says that Satan is on the move like a lion looking for human beings to devour. Now when you think about this, the most vulnerable human beings on the planet, children, who also happen to be at the very core, at the very heart of God, Naturally speaking, the most impressionable, most vulnerable, most valuable to God human beings are the ones that Satan is going to be after the most. So this silent, unseen, unthought about battle that my children and your children and our children don't even know is happening is going on all around them. And God calls followers of Jesus to speak up for those and defend those who can't defend themselves, to care for those who are under fire, to make at the center of our hearts children, just like they're at the center of God's heart. Now, if you look at statistics, statistics would say that, that when you are a child, you have a 34% chance of receiving Christ, of accepting His sacrifice, by the time you are 19 years old, it's at about 6%. So what that tells me is that Satan's doing his thing. What God needs is for his followers to stick up for our cause in the life of a child. We need to engage in this battle. Parents... We have a wonderful, we have an amazing opportunity because we have children entrusted to us who spend time with us every day. 
but uncles, aunts, friends, neighborhood, children. We all have children in our life that we can influence for God's cause. They're all around us. It's up to us to decide as followers of Jesus that we will in fact engage in this battle for the soul of the human being. Deuteronomy chapter 6, often called the Shema, foundational passage in Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and these commandments that I give to you today, Moses is talking about the Word of God, these commandments are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Our call from God is to impress His ways on the hearts of the children around us. And I think our, if I understand Jewish culture right, the whole takes a village to raise a child, okay, your children, the children that are around us, our children are our children. And we're all in this battle together for their hearts. And if we are going to impress the ways of God on the hearts of our children, it starts with us, and it starts with our being an example. Now, Scripture is foundational in understanding the commands of God. And so we need to be examples to the children who are watching us, and they are. Parents, grandparents, let your children and grandchildren know that you read Scripture. Now, for them to know that, that means you actually have to do that. Let them see you reading Scripture in the house. Read Scripture to them. You memorize Scripture. You memorize Scripture with them. Start with like the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23. Very simple language. Memorize it. Read it. Let them know you read it. Watch what you do. Watch what you listen to. Right now, I'm realizing in my car, I'm I'm a closet hip-hop fan. Anybody else here in their mid-30s and whiter than a sheet and and hip-hop fans? Um, (coughs) I am am just now realizing that even the clean versions, okay, it's not until I hear my children sing along. They will sing along with the hip-hop song, and then when the CD player switches to the worship music, they'll sing along with that. And I would much rather them be singing about loving the Lord their God and how great he is than about some chick on the dance floor at the club. But that's the thing that's happening in, my, in the Poindexter car, okay? So I've gotten the hip-hop out of the car. And I don't like that necessarily, but we have to be those kinds of examples. We have to be those examples with teachable moments. A couple weeks ago, we made cookies for Jesus at the Poindexter house when our, when our small group um, uh, fed the homeless at St. Herman's. My wife and I made some chocolate chip cookies with our boys and were able to explain to them, listen, Jesus says that what you do for homeless people, you do for him. So we're making these cookies for Jesus. And my hope is that I can begin to entrust or, or infuse the, the ways of God into the hearts of my children from a very young age, and hopefully that will stay with them and make them followers of Jesus their whole life. We need to engage, and we need to invest. What if, what if you believed that every time you lock eyes with a child, you 
become a living representation of God? What would you do with that moment if you believe, no matter what you're doing, no matter how busy you are, you lock eyes with a child, whether you know them or not, and you become a representation of God to that child? What would you do with that moment? Would you at least say hi? Would you tell them that the picture they're coloring is wonderful? Would you talk with them about their interests and their hopes and their dreams? Would you joke with them? Would you ignore them? What if we represented God and treated every, every time we locked eyes with a child as a divine appointment from God to influence that child for God's kingdom? Now, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We live in a culture where priests and pop stars and perverts have wrecked this idea of interacting with children. There are times where, where I'm in the mall, okay, I don't want people coming and interacting with my kids. That's how bad it's gotten. That's how messed up this... Anyone who shows real interaction with my child, it makes me nervous. And that's a shame. And we need to be protective of our children. But don't you throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to you investing in children. Jesus lived in a Greek culture. Okay? Greeks define pedophilia. It's where the word comes from. And Jesus still tells his followers, you welcome them, you welcome me. You care for them. You invest in them. You stand up for their rights. As generous followers of Jesus... Jesus taught his followers to care for children and we need to set aside our excuses no matter how legitimate they may be and do that. Now let me close with one way here that we have for you to, as a church, invest in the life of children. Our children's ministry is very important to us. We get 40 hours a year with a kid, maybe. It's not very much, but that's 40 hours that we get as a church right there to influence the life of a child. And you can do a lot with 40 hours. And for some of those kids, that is it. They may have five hours that they're in a church. And that may be the only five hours that we have to expose them to the love of Jesus. And we need people who are committed to investing in children who can step up to that opportunity. Now we're okay in children's ministry but we could certainly use some recruits and so my challenge to some of you if God is, is if this is resonating with you search deep and think about whether that is something that you could step into all it takes is a background check and we'll train you and you will be ready to engage in this battle for the heart and soul of children. We need nursery care workers to just love babies in the name of Jesus and change a poopy diaper in the name of Jesus and with his love. We need a couple nursery workers. We need some helpers in the twos and threes class. And this is fun because my two and a half year old, he's just learning to sing. He can sing Jesus Loves Me. He's just learning how to think and how to sing and how to communicate. And I love the fact that there are men and women who are investing in him and teaching him the ways of God on Sunday morning. 
And there are going to be two and three-year-olds in there that, that you know, when, when they learn, yes, Jesus loves me, it's going to give them that thing, and that's the only thing they're going to hear. That's the only time they're going to hear that message, but it's going to implant that into their mind. And that's very, very important to reach a child when they're starting to think with the love of Jesus. We need helpers and teachers in the four- and five-year-old class. This is the time, my older son, where they are learning to, to think for themselves. They're learning to reason, and they are an open book. They are like sponges, and we need people to invest in our children in that life stage. We need somebody to lead music every other month. We need somebody to help children memorize scripture through song. And kids can memorize enormous amounts of, of God's word and God's way of life through song. And maybe God has called you to do that. And that's something. Talk about an easy way if you can sing. You teach some hand motions. You teach some words. And you have put for life into the soul of a child God's word. And you can do that. We need some admin help. And we can always use help in our elementary program, Kidmo, to invest in children where the battle rages hottest and is often won or lost for the soul of the human being. So that's one thing that we have, and if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to go across the parking lot into the Children's Ministry Center and hit the registration table, get the sign-up sheet, and, and you can start investing in our children's ministry. Well, yes? Okay, stand up real quick, Leanne. That's, there you go. Thank you, Leanne. Um, whether it's in children's ministry, which is like a ready-made venue, or even more importantly, as you go about the day when you lock eyes with children or if children have been entrusted to you as parents and grandparents, we have got to engage in this battle for our children, not only because it's a real battle, but if nothing else, because we are followers of Jesus and engaging in the life of children is the way of Jesus. Let's pray.